Hello, everybody, and welcome to Replay for Monday, May 23rd, 2022. Replay is your weekly dose of all the latest in gaming news brought to you by us. The Goodnight Groofs, a place for games and a place for goofs. We're still workshopping the slogan there. My name is Matt, and today I'm doing the episode solo because a tree fell on Paul's house yesterday. Everything is fine, but obviously it's it's a massive pain in the ass for him trying to figure all that stuff out. So hopefully, hopefully it's all easy to take care of, but uh, it is obviously a, a massive hassle that kind of just came out of nowhere, unexpected. So today might be a bit of a shorter episode. And in fact, it definitely will be a shorter episode with just me doing it, but let's get right into it because the reviews are in. Today we have a, an interesting crop of games here. First up, we have the Centennial Case, a Shijima Story. Got a 75 on Open Critic. It's out now. And it's sort of this FMV game, this full motion video, choose your own adventure game. I actually really like how this game seems to use FMV. It doesn't look aggressively low budget like you see in other games. I think in general, I, I'm really not super interested in, in FMV games, but if I were, this one looks like it's kind of at the top of the game regarding that genre. Next, we have the Evil Dead game. Well, actually called Evil Dead The Game. Got a 74 in Open Critic. It's out now. The score, I would say, is exactly what you would probably expect. I will say the game looks fun, though. As far as asymmetrical multiplayer games, I think this one looks really fun kind of silly, which you would expect with Evil Dead, right? It's 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 horror meets comedy in a way, and it's all campy and everything. So it looks like it does have the same tone as the movies, and it looks like a good time. I know Paul is interested in trying this out at some point. All right, next we have Eternal Threads. Got a 76 on Open Critic. It's also out now. It seems like a neat like double A version of an Until Dawn or Life is, Life is Strange-esque sort of game mixed with like a first person walking sim. It looks kind of neat, very double A, but looks like it could be kind of neat if you're into those sort of things. All right, then we have Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. Got a 68 on Open Critic. It's out now. I don't really have much to say on this one other than it feels like wasted potential for a really interesting universe, the world of darkness, it just looks boring. The game just doesn't look fun or engaging, and I think a boring game is about the worst possible thing you can say about a game, and unfortunately, this looks like that. Like, some of the systems look a little interesting, but the game just looks slow and not super fun to play. It almost looks, watching the reviews, I said I, I don't have much to say on it, and, and now I'm talking about this one most, you watch some of the reviews and it looks like it should be like a murder mystery type thing, like the slow paced murder mystery story or something like that. But it, that's not what the game really is. Although that's what it looks like it should be. I don't know. It, it just, it just doesn't look fun at all. And then finally we have Dolman 57 on open critic. It's out now. Not a good score. It's a sci-fi souls like, most of the reviews say the combat is poor, the bo the boss fights are bad, they're just not interesting. That combination sort of just seems like a slap in the face to me. And there are so many better Souls-like games out there at this point. 
apparently this one essentially just straight up copies Dark Souls in a lot of ways. It doesn't even try to do anything new. It just copies Dark Souls and does everything worse. So I, I don't see why anyone would have any interest in this game at all. All right, let's get into the stories now, though. We have some really big ones this week. First up, according to multiple reports, mostly coming from Jeff Keighley and Kotaku, EA is looking to merge or be acquired. According to Jeff Keighley, EA was set to merge with NBC Universal, but the deal fell through last month. The deal would have merged EA with Comcast as a separate entity owned by the Roberts family who owns Comcast. EA's CEO, Andrew Wilson, would have then run the newly formed company, which appears to be a non-negotiable part of a potential EA merger. It seems like that's sort of the sticking point where if they're going to merge with someone, if they're going to be acquired, then Andrew Wilson needs to remain as CEO of that new company. So that's going to be interesting to see whoever they merge with, they're going to have to give up something or, you know, put it all into EA's hands, current EA's hands as taking ownership of that part of the company. So it'll be interesting to see who is going to have trust in EA and Andrew Wilson. EA has also had talks with Disney, Apple, and Amazon. Now, Disney, who owns ESPN, in this potential scenario, they would likely shed ESPN to then merge with EA, which would obviously be a large boon for EA Sports. That would seem like the sports side of EA would then take the center stage of the entire company. So that would be interesting to see. Obviously, it's a massively successful part of the company, specifically with Madden and no longer FIFA, but EA uh, Sports FC. But obviously, EA is more than just EA Sports. So I, it would be really weird to see it play out that way where they are one in the same with ESPN. I'm not really sure I like that. Now, here's the thing. Now that Activision Blizzard has been acquired, literally anyone and everyone is on the table. I think EA would be better suited just doing strategic partnerships with various larger companies, but because their portfolio is so vast and diverse, but also sometimes bland, it would also make sense for someone like Disney or Apple or Amazon to sort of pick them up as a quote-unquote starter pack to really jump into video games seriously. So EA really, to me, does make sense for that sort of acquisition, but again, I don't know... I don't know if they're looking for full acquisition. It's going to be some sort of merger with a smaller portion of a Disney or Apple or Amazon. And it's still going to be its own offshoot, most likely. I mean, it's not going to like EA and Amazon or EA and Apple aren't going to be one in the same. We'll have to see where this thing goes. But it's very clear that EA is very seriously looking at this sort of thing. So within the next year, two years, EA probably won't be the same company anymore. So we'll keep an eye on that. Next up, PlayStation revealed some of the games coming with the rebranded PlayStation Plus that's launching next month. The list includes a large number of PlayStation Studios games, obviously, some of them fairly new releases, as well as a long list of, quote, classic Ubisoft games and other third-party games. Some of the classic titles are going to be available for purchase individually, as an a la carte option outside of the PS Plus subscription for those who don't have it. So that's a neat, something that we don't have with a Nintendo anymore, something that people really want. But 
I'm glad that Sony's going to be going that route. For the full list of games, you can check the PlayStation blog. It's it's a long list. It would be really boring if I just read them all out to you. But there's a lot of good games on there. A lot of good games. And, and we also learned that some of the older games are going to get trophy support. Like Siphon Filter, we got a tease for that. They are going to put trophies in those classic games. So that's really cool. And then as a side note, Ubisoft Plus will also be coming to PS Plus as, quote, Ubisoft Plus Classics. Overall, I'm pretty impressed with the lineup, especially knowing that we still have more to see. I just think that we have to remember that it's not going to be Game Pass. It, it has to be its own thing. Sony is never going to be able to compete directly with Microsoft on a service like Game Pass, so it's going to be its own thing. More limited catalog, but hopefully high quality. They, they can't really just throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. It, it has to be much more highly curated Almost like how Apple Arcade is. Apple Arcade is really specifically curated. And because of that, they have a really good catalog of, of mobile games. And so this is going to have to be similar to that in the console space. All right, next up, Techland is working on an open world fantasy action RPG. The developer best known for Dying Light and its sequel, is in the early stages of working on a AAA open-world fantasy action RPG. They're in the pre-production slash hiring phase right now. And along with the announcement, they shared some concept art and revealed that the game's staff includes former writers from The Witcher 2 and The Witcher 3, as well as designers and artists from Cyberpunk 2077, Deathloop, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. So that's an impressive resume of games there. You know, however you might feel about how Cyberpunk ended up, I think a lot of the design and art from the game is still impressive, and the writing as well, and, and obviously getting writers from The Witcher 2 and The Witcher 3, that's that's an impressive thing. Like, that is an impressive thing to have on the resume. And for, for me, in my mind, that goes a long way when you're talking about a new open-world fantasy RPG. This is really exciting. I'm a fan of the way Dying Light and Dying Light 2 play, especially with the combat and the player movement, obviously. But the setting and the tone don't really do it for me. I'm just not a big zombies guy. I love The Last of Us, but that's different to me because it's so heavy into the narrative. I'm just not big on, like, fighting hordes and hordes of zombies and, like, that being the thing, even if the combat's really fun. It's just not for me, it, just thematically. But to do that sort of game in a fantasy setting... Sounds really awesome to me. So this is now a major game on my radar, and I'm, I'm really excited about this one. All right, now next, Norman Reedus, a, uh, a zombie tangent right there, sort of The Walking Dead. He may have revealed that a Death Stranding sequel is in development. In an interview last week, Reedus stated that they just started filming the second one in reference to Death Stranding. He went on to say, Quote, the game came out and just won all these awards and it was a huge thing. So we just started part two of that. So that seems like a very obvious reference. Well, he's just straight up saying that, yeah, we, we've started work on Death Stranding 2. <laughs> like, just straight out, that's what he's saying. Now, whether it's real or if it's just some Kojima puzzle marketing, who knows? Uh, but in response to this, Kojima did tweet, He's saying, quote, go to your private room, my friend. And then he included pictures of him pretending to hit Redis 
with a bat. Thought that was pretty funny. So whether this is Kojima just sort of acknowledging this this leak now, essentially, or if this is all part of a marketing thing, Kojima trying to put people on the wrong trail, who knows? It, it could be anything. I think in general, people are mixed on the idea of a Death Stranding sequel. I think a lot of people would be content with just letting Death Stranding be its own one-off thing. And people, myself included, are always interested in seeing the new crazy things that Kojima can do. So getting a Death Stranding sequel, yes, he can do some new crazy stuff, but it's still going to be the same world, same characters, same general overall theme, most likely. So it's stuff we've already seen. I'm not saying that I, I absolutely don't want a Death Stranding sequel, but I am saying that when you get a, a Kojima sequel, you're also, the opportunity cost is that you're losing out on another crazy project that he could do. So it's sort of a give and take. It, you know, it is what it is, but I, I think a lot of people are excited about a Death Stranding sequel, but a lot of people also, you know, could take it or leave it. All right, and then some quickies here. So first off, accessibility features for God of War Ragnarok were revealed, which I think this makes people wonder if the game is coming out sooner than we might expect. This is the biggest news that we've gotten for Ragnarok in a while, which is kind of weird. But if they already have these accessibility features in, then maybe the game really is coming out this year. But it's going to have a lot of the same features that are found in The Last of Us Part Two, which was a big step forward in accessibility in games. This quote comes from the PlayStation blog. Not only have we redesigned our UI to allow for more flexibility and readability, but we've also rebuilt controller remapping from the ground up and added more customization to our combat and interaction systems. We've retained all of our accessibility features from 2018's God of War and expanded upon them to include more than 60 ways to adjust gameplay to best suit your style and needs. I recommend checking out the full blog post to see all the features, like the game list before. If I just listed it out, it'd be really boring, but you know, they have a lot of this. This, If you played Last of Us Part Two, and you know those accessibility features, it looks very similar. It's a lot of the same stuff. So it just seems like going forward with PlayStation Studios, they're going to be doing that sort of thing, probably just copying what the last big PlayStation Studios game did and then improving on it adding some new, more new features every single time. So PlayStation's really taking big steps forward as far as accessibility. And then we have rumors about Mafia 4. Apparently it's going to be set in Sicily in the late 1800s and early 1900s. This is according to Special Nick, industry leaker. I think this is cool. We don't get enough period piece games, so I really love the idea of this. I'm all for it. I would love to see more of this in games where we're actually looking back at real historical periods and able to explore within those. Okay, and then we have an announcement roundup here. The next-gen versions of The Witcher 3 are now planned to release in Q4 2022. This news comes after multiple delays to this new version of the game due to CD Projekt Red deciding to take development in-house on it. But now they've said they're planning for Q4 of this year, so we'll have to see if they can make that. And then we got an announcement for Hooked on You, a Dead by Daylight dating sim. It was revealed. This game is playing off the memes and the fanfic that you see from the player base. So kind of cool. Kind of cool for them. I, I have no interest in this, but it's cool for the fans of the game. 
Then we got Greedfall 2, The Dying World. This was announced for a 2024 release on PC and consoles. This is a really early announcement. 2024, that's a ways off. I don't know if this was part of like an investor call or something and, and they sort of had an obligation to say it or if it was part of hiring. I didn't actually look very deep into it. I know there is an announcement trailer out there, so maybe not. But uh, yeah, that's it's a ways out. And I know Greedfall 1, sort of this double-A action game that a lot of people do like, but you know, it, it is what it is. It, it had some bugs. It had some jank. It wasn't perfect. But if they can build on that, I, I think a lot of people are excited about that. Then we have Fall Guys. Fall Guys is going free to play on June 21st, and it's going to include cross-play and cross-progression across all platforms. I think a brand new part of the announcement was also that it's now coming to Xbox, which it had not been on yet. So it's going to be on basically all platforms, and it's cross-progression, cross-play, so that's awesome. And free-to-play, so that's great. And also a, a level builder, level editor is coming, so that's that's really cool too. And then finally, we have Marvel Snap, which is a card game from some of the original creators of Hearthstone. This was revealed. This We had long known that Second Dinner, led by Ben Brode, was making a Marvel card game. We just didn't know what it was. So this was the official reveal for it. It looks like a sort of fast-paced card game. You have smaller decks, and games are much shorter. So that's kind of neat. I'm actually really into that idea. I'm not sure if I really care as much with it being a Marvel game, but if it were something else, I'd be really probably into it quite a bit. But you guys know me. I, I'm just not I'm not a big Marvel guy. I don't know. I'm sorry. And then final note here, as an update on some big news from a few months back, Take-Two and Zynga will officially be merged as of the time of this podcast's release. So Monday, May 23rd, they will officially have merged. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think that means that we're going to see GTA Online on, on Facebook, or on, uh, on mobile. But uh, it is interesting nonetheless. All right, and that's it. I recommend you guys go check out Game Grooves from this week. We had a special, another special guest on the show, Ross. He's from Command Prompt on YouTube. We talked about the most important games of all time, turning single-player games into multiplayer games, and. We played some mini games as we always do. It was a good time. It was a good episode. Episode 47. Go check it out. If you really enjoy Replay and all of our content on goodnightgroofs.com, like Game Grooves, Southern Fried Grooves, and you're feeling super generous, take a look at the Patreon over patreon.com slash goodnightgroofs to see if any of our three current support tiers might interest you. The $3 plus tier will get you access to Game Grooves two days early. And a special shout out to our honorary groups supporting us in the $5 plus tier, Jeremy R. A round of applause for him, please. Also, on the website, goodnightgroups.com, there's now a link to our community Discord. Go check that out if you want to join us in there. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider dropping a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everything helps us, and we will read them on the show. Any and all support that you can give us is greatly appreciated and will go a long way in improving everything here at the Goodnight Groups. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was fun. It was short. It was quick. Some big news stories. Some some stuff to keep an eye on. So we'll do that going forward and we'll, we'll keep you guys informed as new updates come out regarding all this stuff. So, so thank you for listening and take care.